Hey there, I'm Rachel Aaring, and you're listening to the Top Music Piano Podcast. Get inspired as we discuss creative resources, trends in piano pedagogy, ways to grow your income and streamline your studio, and new ways to engage your students each week. If you are a teacher who wants to go beyond the method books to create an innovative studio that fosters lifelong music makers, you've come to the right place. Today on the podcast, Tim Topham returns as host to interview Francesca Christmas about the new Trinity College London exam books that have just been released. Francesca Christmas is Director of Music and Director of Publishing at Trinity College London, overseeing the development of Trinity's International Music Assessment and Publications portfolio. Her doctoral research outputs explore the influences of assessment on music teaching and learning, with a particular focus on the social justice implications of examining in instrumental music education. Francesca has published both book chapters and papers in leading music education journals on the subjects of teacher development, critical pedagogy and music education, and assessment in instrumental teaching. She has worked with many international organizations on the development of teacher education programs. She has worked professionally as both opera singer and as a pop session singer. Here is Tim Topham interviewing Francesca Christmas. Welcome to the show, Fran. It's great to see you. Thanks, Tim. It's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And we were just talking before we hit record when I found out that it's 5.15am for you in <laughs> London. That is that is commitment. This is how passionate I am about our new piano syllabus, Tim. Think of this as the token of how much it, how important it is to Trinity. Actually, it's fine because Trinity is a, we're an international organisation. I'm often on calls sort of middle of the night or early morning with folk in different parts of the world. So this is completely fine. But I do find that I have gained about an extra third at the bottom of my voice. So <laughs> I'm going to enjoy being a little huskier it's, at this time of the morning. It's warming up already. So you're obviously based in London and you work at Trinity College London. Can you tell us what your role entails? Sure. I'm the um, Director of Music and the Director of Publishing at Trinity. So um, my job is to look after all of our music qualifications, music research, um, music learning um, products and, uh, uh, that we run here. Um, I'm really lucky to work with a, an academic team who are the guys who are responsible for developing new qualifications, running the existing ones, looking at things like you know regulatory work, quality assurance. I'm also really lucky to work with the TCL Press team, who are a small but perfectly formed publishing team who and are the guys that put out all of the books um, and publications that we have to support the music syllabus. I work with all of our examiners. We have about two or 300 um, at last count examiners working across different music uh, qualifications. Um, and I also am really fortunate. My particular sort of uh, area of professional interest is around research in uh, music education. So I get to run our research projects and look at the sorts of um, research, particularly impact research that we do at Trinity. So a bit of a dream job, Tim, even if it does sometimes have a few 5am's. Well, that is multifaceted. <laughs> uh, are you an instrumentalist or vocalist yourself? I am. I was a, a singer um, at Music College, at Trinity College of Music, actually, now Trinity Laban. Funnily enough, I've ended back up in the Trinity family. So, yeah, a, a, a singer um, originally with a double bass as my second option and a very and a, and a very enthusiastic, if not particularly expert, piano player. I'll put my hands up to that. <laughs> well, I wanted to invite you on the podcast today because one of my UK-based team members, uh, who's also a teacher over there, heard about your new syllabus and was exploring it and thought there'd been some pretty 
pretty decent improvements there, particularly in guard, regarding repertoire choices. And so she's like, Tim, you've got to go and uh, and check out these books. And so I was looking back through my emails. I'm like, I'm sure I know someone at Trinity. And then bang, yes, of course, Fran, I know I, we've been in touch before. So I said, could you send me the books? And I have to say, yeah, I'm really excited to unpack a few things about these books because you got, I reckon you guys have done a, a stunning job on this. So before we get down to those specifics, though, can you tell us how the syllabus at Trinity College London works? Because I think like ABRSM, you change books every couple of years, which is very unlike in Australia where the AMEB has a syllabus that lasts for 20 years. Well, that was the case. We did used to, like the ABRSM, like other um, uh, boards that sort of grew from England, um, we did used to change our syllabus every few years. Piano, I think, was on a sort of three-year um, three timetable. However, from this year, everything that is out now remains extant. So any syllabus that we have out for teachers to use at the minute remains now. We've removed the shelf life. We've, we've removed the sell-by date on the syllabus. Um, and that includes that is includes the repertoire and the specification itself, so the content of the exam and the pieces you can play, but also any of the graded books that are um, at the moment sort of in life. We're removing all of those end dates. And um, we we wanted to do that because, well, good music doesn't really go out of date. It doesn't go off. It's sort of if there's good music published, it remains good music, right? Um, and we're aware that, you know, teachers and learners develop particular affinity for pieces. There are pieces they love. There are pieces that teachers want to teach all the time. Uh, and why should they not be valid all of a sudden just because of the syllabus end date? So the piano, our piano syllabus is the first sort of full iteration of this in that the 2021 books that came out a couple of years ago, everything in those books, everything in that syllabus remains available for people to play. And the new 2023 books are now just an addition to that offer. Doesn't that get a little bit confusing when oral tests and technical work and stuff like that changes, if it does change? It would do, but it doesn't. So technical work, again, any technical pieces that you play for the piano, they will remain uh, valid and we'll just bring in new. So there are new pieces in the 2023 books, which you can choose from. So now the teachers have the choice from 2021 or 2023. The supporting tests, which for Trinity are uh, oral tests, sight reading, musical knowledge or improvisation, they remain um, extant anyway. We will sometimes change some of those tests that our examiners use, but we don't change the requirements for those supporting tests. So they, regardless of any syllabus renewal that there might have been in the past, they remain in place anyhow. So can you also just give us a quick overview as well of the different exam types of exams you offer? Um, obviously, there's video, there's in-person, there's ones with technical work. Do you do sort of repertoire-only exams now as well? That's right. So we have the face-to-face -face exams, which are the ones that people know and know and love and have done for many, many, many years. I'm not sure love and is they quite the changed. right word for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. We have some we have some folk who are very, very attached to those exams and those structures and work for their pupils. So that's that's all good. So they haven't changed. We bought in a few years ago the digital grades and diplomas, and they're available um, from initial grade up to our LTCL diploma level. And the first version, the first um, pathway that has been in, uh, out for a couple of years now, um, you are asked to play your repertoire pieces. So your three or four, depending on your instrument, your three or four pieces in the exam. And then uh, the technical works. So depending on the instrument, that might be technical pieces, scales and arpeggios, 
orchestral extracts, um, brass band extracts, depending on, you know, what instrument you're playing. And that is recorded by the candidate in their home or school, wherever they want to record it and upload it. So it's an asynchronous exam where the examiner will then access that and, and send the marks through after, after um, upload. In June this year, we also brought in to Digital Grades and Diplomas an additional pathway. And this is available um, through one to eight, uh, initial to eight. And that is where the candidate can choose to just play instead of their technical work, an additional piece of repertoire from the syllabus from the books. Um, so we've called that repertoire only available just for the last couple of months, but we're already seeing, which is really good to see, there are some high numbers coming through um, using the repertoire pathway. So the idea is that we've got, we're trying to, um, with our digital grades and diplomas, the aim is to introduce additional features which make those um, exams as accessible as possible to as many teachers and candidates as we can. That's great. All right, so let's talk about the latest, do you call it syllabus or book series? What would you call this collection? So we call it Piano 2023. You know, it does what it says on the tin. Um, And we've got, and actually it's quite uh, just for a little bit of um, exam board sort of nomenclature, the the syllabus itself, the specification within the syllabus, so the requirements of the teacher or the candidate in terms of the exam construct doesn't change, that remains the same. And it's the, the what are effectively exam items, the pieces of repertoire we're increasing. So we're just calling it Piano 2023 for, for to make it easy for everyone. Okay. Uh, love the covers, by the way. Very, very cool. Uh, and, uh, I'm so glad you said that. They're beautiful, aren't they? they are. We're so hey, happy with those. Yeah, they're, a work, they're actually a bit of a work of art. I think they're really stunning. Um, oh, and, and I know that because uh, I was in, I've been involved in uh, a previous collection for the AMUB and, you know, after all of the other things that you're doing, the cover is almost like, oh, okay, yes. I mean, I didn't have to personally choose the cover, but, you know, that was an important, was an important thing to do as well after all the work you've done to put the books together. But it's quite, you know, I, I'm, I put my hand up and say I do judge books like novels and things by their cover. So the cover. <laughs> important to me. Anyway, that's, that aside, the most obvious difference with these books is the wide variety of modern music. So was that a conscious decision? It was the outcome of a conscious decision, yes. So we've got, so with the 2021 books now remaining valid, so there are 21 pieces in the extended edition for the 2021 books already. And those books cover a really a beautiful sort of selection of um, Western classical music, contemporary classical, some, some other styles and genres in there, but it captures a lot of the sorts of core piano repertoire that a teacher might be exploring with their learner. Um, what we wanted to do, the way that we wanted to conceptualize 2023 was an expansion of that. So more music rather than replacing 2021. So there was a, first of all, there was a kind of sense check of, well, we don't need to replace this stuff, right? We don't need a different Mozart sonata in there. We already have some really good, good music in there for people to play. So you do see some additional uh, Western classical sort of uh, core repertoire, if you like, in the 2023 books where we've um, wanted to expand that to some extent. But actually, the main, um, the sort of the main objective of the 2023 books was not just to increase the styles and genres available, but was to think about the impact of those books and the place they have in a learner's journey. And we know from talking to teachers that sometimes, you know, the piano book that a learner learns from, that is the breadth of music that they will 
um, encounter for many years as they're learning. So it's sort of um, those books become their core repertoire. And whatever is in that book sort of tells our learners what we as an international example think is important in their music learning. So for us, it was really important that we didn't we didn't continue perhaps to ascribe to a sort of particular musical hierarchy, saying that you know we what we need to do is play the Western classical stuff, and then we can bring some other bits that you might enjoy in around the edges. We don't we, you know we're, we're we're not into that sort of view of of piano te- uh, teaching and learning. We also wanted it to the books to represent better the sorts of communities of people that we work with. And we have a really diverse global population um, working with Trinity. And it's really important for us that we recognise that in our books so that um, our composers, uh, we, are, we, we have deliberately um, worked with a number of composers from perhaps the more uh, traditionally underrepresented backgrounds with um, protected characteristics, with the view that this music and the people that write it or create it or perform it should represent um, um, uh, the, the sort of wider population of candidates that are working with us. And then what comes from that is a much more diverse selection of styles and genres. So what we what we hope this has done is a sort of provide um, young people with a much or learners, not always young, often young, with a much broader conceptualization of what music is and what they can play. Um, that we've hopefully introduced them to people who are aspirational for them. We've got some, I'll be really happy to tell you about some of the composers and arrangers we've worked with because they're, they're just amazing. And it's, you know, a real pleasure to introduce our learners to those guys. Um, and also, I mean, lastly, just practically recognising that people learn the piano um, and do their grades for a panoply of different reasons these days. It's not necessarily to get into music college or to go to university or to be a concert pianist. It can be because they love playing the piano. They want to express themselves. They like to sit and work things out. They like to sit and enjoy music that they listen to elsewhere. A lot of people are learning online now. A lot of people are using apps to help them with progress alongside or even sometimes instead of their teaching. You know, there are so many ways to learn the piano. Um, and we wanted the exams to be as relevant to those guys as they are for people working sort of one-on-one with a teacher in a more traditional sort of setup for, for piano teaching. So when we sort of pieced all of that together, what that meant was we we ended up with a much broader selection of um, styles and genres within the books. And we thought of them as sort of stylistic pathways. We've mapped those to make sure that they're consistent across all the grades and that we've got the same sort of um, weighting across the grades for all of them. Um, so, yeah, we, we were really pleased, really excited to see the outcome of those lists um, from the specialists we were working with. Yeah, and I hope you've been getting some good feedback, from positive feedback from, from teachers who are starting to engage with this as well. Do, you, do teacher, uh, students have to play uh, four pieces, one from each era kind of thing in the book, just to simplify? No, they don't. We do at grade six to eight, we do have two groups. And the purpose of those is to make sure there's a balance, not in the stars and genres or the sort of, um, you know, the chronology, if you like, of the pieces they play, just to ensure they're playing something that's sort of technically demanding as well as something that's perhaps more lyrical or expressive. So grade six to eight, they're, you know, two aspects of, um, of performance that we'd expect to see. But below that, we don't dictate what they play. We, again, um, it could be as simple as if we were to dictate what a student would play, that could be a barrier for many, many young people learning. 
if you have a real love of a particular style or particular feel of the music you want to play, then actually all of those pieces are they're you know designed to a set of parameters which make them relevant for the grade. We're not sure that it's our job to dictate what that person, that young person engages with for their exam. Teachers may choose to do that because they feel that that's important pedagogically. And of course, we can support that. But I don't believe that it's our job to dictate that. Um, we just we just want to be able to assess the ability of the student at that point in time they come into their exam. So it's conceivable a student could play if there were three, let's say there were five pop songs in grade one. Uh, they could play three of those for their exam without playing a Bach, you know, or sorry, a Baroque piece, for example. Yeah, they could do. They could do. One of the principles we had under including, uh, uh, sort of sitting underneath including the pop songs was that those arrangements should be sort of obviously pianistically uh, beautiful, but it's not just a case of, you know, sticking a famous pop song in there and, you know, them sort of just working through a head and a bunch of you know comping some chords underneath we sort of thought about it as pop to classical almost that we were taking a song that they might know really enjoy but still requiring the same tech same level of technique um, and standard from them but from an assessment point of view if they did play three pop songs we would still be looking for the same sorts of technique the same sorts of um, musicianship the same um, aspects of communication interpretation as we would of a baroque era piece Got it. Yeah. And, and I do want to talk about the arrangements. The pop arrangements are they very pianistic, as you say. It's not a sort of rush job. Oh, geez, we better get a pop song in here. They, a simple example would be uh, unexpectedly, as I was playing, I can't remember which one it was, the, the melody moved to the left hand and the chords are in the right hand and things like that, which was just unexpected. But again, it, it, it allows students to develop these pianistic skills that we want them to have, balance between the hands and things within the context of, of a pop song that they might like. I, I, I have to say, I, I was just blown away. Just looking through grade one, you've got, I heard it through the grapevine, My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic, Nine Million Bicycles, so Katie Malua, uh, Titanium Sia is a Billie Holiday song, and there's Guantanamera. I was like, oh, this, is, this is so cool. I, I, I just kept turning a page and going, oh, my goodness, I would, I would love to have learned this song. Uh, and as I say, it, they, they are really fun to play. And then I was looking at um, the initial book, and, you know, if you turn to the first book or grade one, two, well, sorry, preliminary one, two in, in most exam boards, you'll hit Bach or a son of Bach very early on, probably the first three pieces. And I did not see Bach, Bach, Bach for the first three pieces. In fact, in grade one, they were all unknown composers to me, which is goes to what you were saying about this being a, uh, an addition almost to the 2021 where you probably did have some Bach. You've got Nickelman, Gamarini, Van Hal, and Goodrich, none of whom I'd ever played or heard of. And they're all from that era. I, I, I thought, wow, this is really impressive. So you must have had a number of people involved in in these collections because I can't imagine one person would be able to put have put this together. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did. Um, we had for each style pathway, we had um, one expert, if you like, sort of overseeing the pathway whose job was to sort of pull together the, the final recommendations, but a huge number of specialists who were researching and recommending pieces. Um, we've got a very large proportion of arranged and newly commissioned pieces in there too. Um, 
interestingly, we do, we're running a very, uh, our first podcast series actually uh, at the moment, talking to some of the composers and arrangers. Yeah, it's our first foray into it. And I'm, it's great fun because I'm, I'm getting this wonderful opportunity to sit and just chew the, you know, chew the fat with all of our arrangers and composers that worked on the syllabus. And a lot of them, I mean, some of whom have got, you know, they're Emmy winning, BAFTA winning, extraordinary outputs, you know, amazing artists. And, you know, in the podcasts, they're, t- they're telling you, you know, the hardest thing was writing for grade one. The hardest thing was writing for initial because you've got these gorgeous pieces of music and you've got to find a way to, you know, maintain the harmony, but thin it out enough and to, you know, maintain the feel, but find a way for a beginner to, ha- you know, to comfortably have it under their hands and chatting to our um our team at Trinity, they said, you know, those earlier grades, they were took the longest time. They may only be 16 bars long, but they take so much time. It was it was quite challenging to bring in those pieces at the lower grades. But as you say, we've got um, you know, Bach, we've there's a lot of Bach um that people can access if they want to, that we haven't sort of usurped Bach and his place in the syllabus. But we wanted to, we asked our specialists working on those sort of Baroque classical um, pathways for us to feature some of the female composers that aren't often found. Some of the um, composers from you know, com- uh, black composers, um, Asian composers who were there, who have these gorgeous, gorgeous pieces. Um, the Goodrich piece in um, uh, grade one is glorious and we've already had and we're running a competition at the moment where people can, where teachers and learners can send in recordings of people playing the 2023 pieces. And we've had so many versions of the Goodrich piece because it's so beautiful. It's instantly captivating. And that wouldn't, you know, that um, she wouldn't perhaps be um, featured in very many uh, graded syllabuses um, perhaps before now. So it's our, our sort of, you know, coming back to that idea of wanting to feature different composers that perhaps have outputs that are as important as anybody else's but don't often get syllabus space we wanted to make room for them in in these books yeah i've i work with a lot of people in america uh, and was over there last year at a conference and there is a huge a huge push for underrepresented and minority composers to have their light of day which is just and, and female composers and it, the music that's coming out, it's so sad that this hasn't been done before when all this great music is out there. So uh, kudos to you for, for doing that. And I know all the exam boards are certainly moving in that direction now, um, which I think is fabulous. Yeah, I think it's it's really important work because if you're, you know, if you do have the responsibility responsibility of an exam board of working with, I mean, we work with hundreds of thousands of music learners every year. And if we put something out that says, actually, the only important stuff is, the, you know, the the guys who are writing in the 1800s, those, you know, the European white guys, um, then that enculturates a whole generation of musicians into the same belief set. Um, and we want to we want to do what we can to disrupt that, which is proving to be disruptive. And um, we have had, whereas the majority of the feedback has been incredibly positive, and um, we've had there have, we have already had lots of discussions about you know, the, the, these principles behind the syllabus. There are some teachers and educators who find it really challenging because for those guys, you know, there hasn't been a place for new writers um, and new composers in a piano syllabus. And this perhaps disrupts some of the principles that um, 
people might hold about what they think young people should be learning. So uh, good disruption, um, but uh, and positive, but certainly a talking point at the moment. Yeah, and, and pushing te- uh, teachers out of comfort zones too. I think it's very easy, and I've previously fallen in this trap as well, when you're working on your own day-to-day with, with students, it's very easy to have your favourite pieces and stick to them and know how to teach them inside out, be able to pick every fault that a student's going to make <laughs> before they make it. Um, so I think uh, it's wonderful to give teachers a little nudge to go, hey, why don't we shake things up a bit? Why don't you try this? Because the more teachers try new things, the more they're going to grow, they're going to be refreshed, their students are going to be refreshed, their studio will be a fresher place as well. So, yeah, kudos for that. Um, what about, uh, is there anything else in the syllabus that you'd like to mention that uh, has been a bit of a change or something different? Well, I think the the main changes are obviously the fact that we're not, you know, so teachers who find the pieces they love in the 2023 books, now these won't go out of date, they will continue to be valid, um, you know, forevermore. Um, and we'll bring out more music as we go through time. Um, so that that's really the biggest change for us, the fact that we're that now because of the sort of um, cumulative nature of it, we now have 42 published pieces available at each grade for piano within um, between the two books. Um, one one change we made as a, a result of sort of feedback from customers was that the 2021 books came in two editions. There was a standard edition with 12 pieces in it. And then an extended edition, which had in addition a kind of digital ebook of, a, of further pieces to bring it up to twenty one. And um, this year, we you know we got lots of feedback that this is great, but we'd love it all in print. We'd like it all to be able to sit on the piano, please. So this year we have the standard edition of twelve pieces, and then the extended edition, which brings twenty one all in print this time rather than just an ebook. Um, we've also uh, got all of our printed books as a digital ebook on our e-store so you can get the full um publication digitally if that suits you better slightly different price points that will suit some of our teachers and learners better we think and we've also got around i think 200 of the pieces from across the 2021 and 2023 books available as singles so just digital downloads um because we wanted to recognize that you the sheet music so because yeah. we recognize that you might love two pieces in 21 and two pieces in 23 and wow, you might not want great. to have to buy two publications so and we'll continue making more of the of those available as singles um you know wherever we can where licensing doesn't restrict us we'll have those as downloads so we hope that's a more um flexible way for people to buy their repertoire we I mean, you talked you talked about the cover um and we did we spent a lot of time getting the cover right because you know they're they're premium products right they're expensive they need to last they need to be you know we want people to be able to access the music in it for many years so the book needs to last it needs to be a book that will be um 10 20 years uh, on a piano rather than something that's only used for a couple of years um but we know that um that you know that in itself can be a barrier to taking an exam you know the costs of buying the resources around it so we hope that the ebook store makes that more accessible to more people and we should say too that the pages like the the quality of the print books are they are great they're the kind of things you want to have in a shelf and the pages sit flat they're also slightly yellow which i love they're not bright white just simple things like that i think that have made all the difference i i, I wasn't aware of the being able to do single sheet downloads that's a that's a game changer, I think, for for 
teachers when they're working with students and parents are on a budget and things like that. That's a real bonus. The other thing I did notice was QR codes in them. So you've got, are all the pieces recorded or just some of them? No, we've got recordings of all of them. Um, we were really fortunate. We worked, we worked with, oh, we worked with some amazing pianists on the recordings. I mean, just the recordings themselves are just worth downloading and having on in the car. They're beautiful. Um, and we worked with, uh, where we could, we worked with the composer, if it was a commission piece. So the person that wrote it also played it. So we got the, we've got, you know, we've captured the composer's um, uh, version um, of their pieces. We worked with some wonderful jazz pianists, classical pianists, or, you know, pianists from all sorts of uh, parts of the industry. And it's a quick download. Now we've got our own download system set up so that it's very easy and quick to access those those pieces um, when you buy the book. Yeah, I can't really see teachers uh, needing much more. I mean, you really have offered everything that they need. And so I, I really encourage teachers to, to explore this. Are they able to see some of the example pieces on your website without downloading the books? Can they sort of flip through those? They are. Yeah. They are. We've got, so there are a couple of ways that you can access that. If um, if they can access the e-store, which I believe the majority of, um, that you can get to that from just about all parts of the world. We have sample pages and sample audio from every book. That won't give you every piece, but it will give you sort of six or seven pieces from the books. So you can get a sense of, you can get a sense of, you know, what does, what grade two-ness means if you're a teacher who's not perhaps being part of the graded system. Uh, and uh, you know isn't familiar with what's expected at each each that at each stage it gives you a really good sense of that um, and the other thing we've created this year um our our content team has created the most beautiful um interactive sample booklet that's just freely available from the website and that gives you lots of um uh, samples of pieces audio clips, some of the performance notes. It links to other information about the exam. It's a really nice interactive um, tool to use. So I would encourage teachers to probably start with a sample booklet if you want to get an idea of, of some of the music in there. Have a look at the e-store for some of the samples on there. And just, uh, sorry, Tim, I'm plugging a podcast on a podcast. You have to forgive me, but... Um, <laughs> Every week we've got, um, uh, I interview one of our composers or arrangers every week and they talk about their piece and what they, you know, what they wanted to bring to the candidates and teachers in their piece, how people might approach it. Um, there's some brilliant uh, discussion about sort of their background, their journey to becoming video games composers or opera composers. Um, we've got some, we've got some great, great folk on there like Julian Joseph has, um, we've just released the Julian Joseph uh, episode, which is you know, gorgeous hearing about all of his musical influences that he brings to his his writing. Um, so that's another really good place to go for, to find out about the pieces and, and what they can bring to students. What's that called? Uh, the Trinity College London Piano Podcast. That's what it says on the tin. Oh, well, right. <laughs> I think they're available on Spotify and other um uh, podcast platforms at the moment. Wonderful. All right. I'll make sure I check it out. Well, look, thanks so much, uh, Fran, for coming on the show and explaining exactly what you've created. I think it's um, a great sort of move towards what the future of, of exam offerings can look like. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for for putting out some really engaging music. I cannot imagine a child grabbing one of those books or a teacher for that matter and going, oh, there's really nothing in this one. <laughs> like there, there's just so much great music in there. So, and, and as I, as I said, I'm, I'm particularly impressed by the arrangements of the pop songs. So I'm going to be looking up some of those arrangers as well and, and making contact because they are great. 
They are brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so glad you, you you like the books and you um you appreciate what we're trying to do with them going forward. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Tim. I hope you enjoyed this interview between Tim and Francesca. It's inspiring to hear how Trinity College London has included such a wide range of music in their new series. We often think of teaching pop songs as extra or not as important as the standard classical repertoire, but these books are proving that the same concepts and techniques can be taught through a wide variety of musical styles. There's a lot happening right now in the Top Music Pro membership, including the release of the new course Unfazed, Teaching Neurodivergent Students. If you are already a member, be sure to check it out, and if you are not yet a Top Music Pro member. This is the perfect time to join to get access to all of the newest resources. That's the end of the show for this week. I hope you will join me again next week when we are going to start a series of episodes discussing summer camps and various ideas for summer offerings in your piano studio. I'm Rachel Aring, and you've been listening to the Top Music Piano Podcast. I'll see you back here soon. How do you keep up to date with all the latest trends and research into music education? How do you connect with other teachers around the world and make sure your teaching stays fresh and relevant for students of all ages and stages both now and into the future? I created our Top Music Pro membership to be the one-stop shop for music teaching resources, training, support and community and I'd love for you to come and join us inside. With over 40 comprehensive training courses, hundreds of teaching demonstrations and lesson plans, free monthly sheet music, discounts, and all the business and pedagogy support you could ever need, Top Music Pro is the community you've been looking for. If you're ready to level up your learning from the podcast and join thousands of other teachers in our global network, head over to topmusicpro.com today.